As beneficiaries of UMS Wright, we want to understand those who are before us so that we can help those who follow after. As told through the eyes of supporters and faculty, students and grandparents, we know this podcast will help all of us understand how and why UMS Wright has been so successful. This is The Right Way. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to our podcast. We have had such an incredible time in getting to sit down with so many people who have influenced our school and our city and really our community and ultimately our, our world. And so it's been just a real blast for us. And I hope you guys have enjoyed that as well. And uh, there's so many ways to listen to this podcast. And we, we, we want you to make sure that that you download those so that every couple of weeks when we release those um, those conversations, you'll have a chance to, to listen to the newest one. And Today I'm really excited. We have a what you know I consider to be the my mentor um, and someone who has been so influential in the successes of UMS and UMS Wright throughout the years. Really, kind of a staple here. You you know when we think of UMS Wright, when I think of UMS Wright around the region, particularly around the state, uh, it's synonymous with uh, Dr. Tony Havard. So. Um, we, we, we have a great opportunity to sit down with uh, one of the legends uh, of UMS Wright, Tony. So, hey, just appreciate you taking your time out of your day today to be with us. Glad to do it. Uh, had a had a first period class today, which I'm enjoying doing that again. Uh, I guess you're very blessed if you can kind of circle back around to what you really love doing in the first place. So I've been uh, given that opportunity and enjoy doing it greatly. That's awesome. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, because I know – um, you, you're really kind of the the man in middle school right now, and so um, you have a chance to be around those those middle schoolers, which I know you love. That's really oh, kind yeah. of your background, right? Yes, it is. It is. I was uh, my first administrative job was as the middle school principal here for uh, half a year, and then I took a middle school job back in my hometown in uh, Loosedale. So that's. Uh, and before that, I actually was a teacher and coach at, at a middle school over in Mississippi as well. So as odd as it may seem to some people in education, uh, that's actually the grade level I prefer, yeah. uh, those, those middle schoolers, because they, they have enough maturity that they can grasp concepts, but they also haven't gotten so cool that they, uh, they, they are, are cynical the way a lot of high school kids can get from time to time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I'm my background, you know, coming through with you uh, as a, as an administrator and teacher here is in middle school, and I, I use that all the time when I'm talking to prospective teachers. You know, mm-hmm. and, and one kind of red flag for me is, you know, well, I, I would take a middle school job, but I, I really want to move to the high school. You know, just maybe because they view that as the pinnacle of teaching. Yeah. But you know, they're 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 as you know, much to be learned yes. <laughs> with, as a middle schooler, right? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's an yeah. important time for them. Well, the, uh, you know, I have an expression when I'm in my sarcastic place about some educators, and uh, honestly, I primarily use this to refer to people in higher ed. Uh, they think their role is to just uh, think deep thoughts mm. as opposed to really get down in the trenches with the students and work hard and see uh, how you get them to grasp a concept. Uh, but uh, that's what you do with middle school students every day. Yeah. And it's, it's great for me to have had the opportunity. Last year I was with uh, Out of Necessity uh, in a classroom with primarily seniors. Uh, this year 
with eighth graders, it's really what I, I enjoy doing. So it's, yeah. it's been a, a great uh, experience this year. That's awesome. Let's start a little bit just for our listeners. And so many, like I said, so many know you and know your name and have, have you know, went, gone through this school or had connections with this school that you've been involved with. But just remind all of us and, you know, a little bit, if you can, about, you know, what led you to your career? You know, what, what started things off and, and how did you get to uh, Mobile Street? Well, my career started because I had wanted to go to law school and uh, did not want to go straight from uh, four-year college into law school, take a year off and work. I was just kind of burned out on going to school. So I got a temporary teaching certificate, uh, and again, in my hometown over in Loosedale, and was going to teach uh, high school English for a year and then go on to law school. Well, uh, that was in 1975-76, and I haven't been to law school yet. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it turned into a, a career move. Unfortunately, in terms of my public school career, by 1983, uh, I had gotten very disenchanted with public education and even considered going into another profession. But as uh, fate would have it, my father was a golfing buddy with the late Eddie Holmes. Mm. And I had met Eddie... uh, myself back when my dad and Eddie played semi-pro baseball uh, against each other. So he got to talking to Eddie one day. They were golfing and said they had a job opening here for an assistant coach and also thought there was an English position. Well, that's not a really common combination. Mm -hmm. So I wound up coming down here for an interview and – got the job and started June 1st, 1983. Uh, The other interesting aspect of this is kind of where we're sitting now may have been the doctor's office where old Dr. Otts used to be. And uh, Dawn was pregnant with with my daughter. So I had driven her down here one day, taking a personal day because she was getting pretty, pretty far into the pregnancy. And she was over here with Dr. Ott. So when she went back in the, uh, in the office, I decided I'd walk across the street and just get an application. So I walked in the front door and then went in the office and there sat Millie Dixon. Mm. And I introduced myself to her and uh, told her I was looking for an application, thought I might be interested in teaching here if there was a job available. Well, next thing I know, Jim Sigley, who was the headmaster, walks out and introduces himself, and I wind up talking to him for about an hour that day. (laughs) Wow. So one thing led to another. Uh, I got a phone call from him one night at home, wanted to know if I was still interested and would I want to come down and uh, shadow a couple of teachers. The teacher I shadowed that day was Linda Parada. Yeah. So... In less than a year, I was here working, so it's uh, it, it was uh, I think meant to be. No, no doubt. I, I love stories like that of you know how, how people get to their positions and to the organizations for, for you know where they end up. So you were here for a, a little while and then left, and and then three uh, years. Three years. I was here for three years, and if if at some point I, I don't mean to get ahead of ourselves here, but if you're going to ask about the biggest yeah. change in the school since I've been here. 
the biggest change is the financial stability mm-hmm. because the main reason I left in uh, the ni- at the end of the 1985-86 school year was because I feared for the financial stability of the school. Mm-hmm. And I was a young father, uh, needed a job, and to be honest with you, I was afraid the school may close. Mm-hmm. So those people who want to say that one of the two schools, UMS or Wright, uh, was in better financial shape than the other and one had to uh, absorb the other one, well, they don't know the facts because both schools were in abysmal uh, financial shape. Uh, I've heard Vic Lott say both schools were basically bankrupt. Mm. And, uh, you know, that that was the primary reason I left in the first place. Can't imagine, you know, dealing with that and the morale that you know you as a staff member, as a teacher and a coach, how that trickles down t- to those staff members, and then you know, as you indicated, I mean, it was enough to say for you, you know, hey, I, I need to go to protect mm-hmm. myself, and yeah. well, that's a tough spot for any organization, but you know, a school for sure, an independent school. Well, the especially for younger staff members, yeah, uh, some of the older ones had that happen, they would have would have been without options. Mm-hmm. And those of us who were younger and were kind of in the early days of our career, uh, you know, we had to look for other options. Yeah. So, but that is not the case anymore. Uh, and no, but you left. <laughs> you went. You left and went back as, a, as yeah. an administrator, right, yeah. to, to Mississippi. I was the principal of Loosedale Middle School, which was uh, a true middle school, grades six, seven, and eight. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And stayed there for two years. Uh, was quite happy. I, I really enjoyed the staff. We had done a lot of good things. And then I got a phone call uh, asking if I would be interested in coming back down here, telling me that the school was going to be co-ed. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, the school system over there up and offered me an assistant superintendent's job. There are a lot of ramifications, I think, uh, or a lot of a lot of reasons for that, uh, not the least of which was political, because I think the, the superintendent thought that'd be a good move for him to give me that job. They had an elected su- superintendent, so that, that's that's something that complicates the yeah, whole process. Sure, sure. But anyway, I considered it. It was kind of a flattering offer at that time, because I was thirty-six years old, maybe. Uh, but then my wife got to talking to me and she pretty much said, we've got a daughter and she's supposed to start kindergarten next year. And she's not starting public kindergarten in Mississippi. It was the first (laughs) year that they had it. They'd never had public kindergarten in Mississippi before. And she said, if they offer you that job, no matter what it is, you're going to take it. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I uh, you know, hope, uh, thankfully, they didn't know that she'd said that because they probably could have gotten me for about 15000 a year right then. But uh, anyway, they, I was hired uh, as athletic director, uh, an assistant football coach, and uh, the director of accreditation. Mm. And because the school was merged for – for UMS, they were due to be uh, go through an accreditation visit that year, but they gave us a, a year's grace because of the merger, yeah. and uh, then we did the accreditation the 
following year. So, it, it really, and of course, I know the story, and you and I have had it. You know, we've talked about it many times, but it's just so interesting to me and in the dynamics of how things work, and you know where UMS right now would be <clears throat> if you had chosen to go a different path. And 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 we know you and I both know that that for as headmaster as head of school now, you know these are these are borrowed seats for us, right? And mm-hmm. that's what we right. do, and and we want to leave it. But I, I shudder to think, you know, where we would be in the last thirty years, you know, had had you not taken that job. And so you come in and 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 you you see the school through the merger and through financial difficulties. And then, you know, to, to look back and, you know, when you decided that, you know, you were, you were ready to retire and you look back over your career, when there got to be highlights in that, that, and I know you're not an egotistical person by any stretch, but there's got to, I hope there's a sense of, of fulfillment that you have for us who, who looked, watched your career and followed your career and, and were able to work under you, what you were able to accomplish as head of an organization, I hope that's something that that you have an uh, an appreciation for. Well, I do, and uh, you know, I think you're very blessed in life. First of all, if you have a, a good family, but secondly, if you can have a, a a life's work that you've enjoyed and you feel like you're where you should be, uh, and really up until I I got here in 1983 and then coming back in the 88 school year, um, I had never really had that. Now, my principal's job in Mississippi was gratifying because we were improving and moving along, but nothing like this because you just don't have the long-term impact in those schools. Mm. And that's, uh, that's sad in a lot of ways. But I think I'm most happy about the fact that Having started out where we were, I look at the facilities and the financial stability of the school, and that's the, you know, the, the two things mm-hmm. that without those you, you couldn't do a lot of the other things that we we've got to do. It's like you know now is better than anybody. Uh, you got to have students to have a school. Yeah, I, I used to be shocked at how naive some people were in staff about the importance of having a a strong enrollment Uh, you know the money doesn't just grow on trees Mm -hmm. and we're uh, heavily operated by the tuition dollars so those are the things that I think if if I would like to say well I help change the direction of the school it'd be in those two areas you always talk to me about as long as I can remember in my career since 93 here, you know, maybe keeping the main thing, the main thing and and how these distractions come into organizations in particular schools and create different paths, you know, chasing things down really kind of the wrong road. What, what is the main thing to you when you say that? And I, you know, when you say we got to keep the main thing, the main thing, what are the main things or what is the main thing? I think it's, and it's hard for someone who's not an educator to fully grasp the term the overall academic program because if you're if you're not a real educator and don't understand the ramifications of that statement you think you're just talking about nothing but books and and uh, everybody being a straight-a student that's not at all what I mean by that the the development of mind body spirit and character 
is the overall academic program. And that obviously includes the, the mind. You've got to, to start with a very strong, uh, challenging academic program. But then you've got to supplement that with the uh, co-curricular program that we have. And that's something else that has changed dramatically uh, since we, we merged the school. Uh, the athletic program, the arts program, uh, the, the service programs, all of those have helped to embellish the academic program that we have at the school. But then the other, the other point that a lot of people uh, fail to realize is enforcing a sense of purpose and helping students to develop a sense of self-discipline. And that is done only when the adults around them demonstrate hmm. that, that yeah. quality and model appropriate behavior because one of the kind of cliches I've always used, if you go into a classroom and have a laissez-faire attitude, well, what kind of attitude do you think the students are going sure. to have? Sure. And uh, if you want a student to not consider something important, let them sense that you don't think it's important. So everything from dress code to uh, conduct, respect, all of that, uh, you've got to constantly remind them that what separates you uh, uh, from the crowd is how you treat other people. Mm. And uh, it, it is not our goal here, in my opinion, to create an elitist, superior group of people. It's to create servant leaders who actually consider the well-being of other people first, whether that's their family or their, their fellow students. Uh, I was reading something yesterday and uh, because of one of the projects we're doing in, in class about the author Ann Rand. And, uh, you know, she's a person that believes in this objectivism um, theory and all that is is you put yourself first and the great moral imperative is to do the best for yourself and it rejects altruism and to me uh, that is absolutely the wrong way to go about things yeah. and uh, I've often wondered how people can embrace that theory and be so self-centered and so unconcerned about the well-being of others and then consider themselves an educated person. So uh, that's my sermon part. That's a good that. one. That's a good one. I think, you know, when I think about the influence uh, that I've witnessed and, and been a part of uh, when I worked directly, when you were my, you know, my direct report, um, you know, we heard that a lot in our leadership meetings and our in our team meetings. And and I think one of the things that you and you mentioned it just a moment ago is that the, the idea of modeling behavior. And, you know, it's funny, you and I, but we've done a lot of visits, school visits, accreditation visits, and been to a lot of schools and talked to a lot of school leaders and met with students, et cetera, et cetera, faculty. That's one of the things that, 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 that I look for when I visit another school. And it's, um, you, you know, you, you can, obviously, anyone can drive up and see a physical structure and those kind of things. But I, but I watch, I try to watch the staff, and I try to find I try to see if they're modeling what they want their students to be. Yeah. 
And, you know, so when people ask me that, well, what's the difference in UMS Wright and whatever, you, you know, a lot of times I, that that's what I try to articulate. And it's hard to do. Yeah. But, I mean, the idea that you would have a, you would have a staff of 170 people who model what the mission of the organization is, that's that secret sauce, man, that you try to get right. to all the time. And, and you know, it, it made an impact on me. You using that term, and I use it. I use it a lot now. Now, you know, we don't always handle situations and circumstances perfectly, but you, you know, you know, the preparedness of presenting information, having proper assessments, getting to know your students, trying to connect with those. I mean, that's the kind of modeling. That's what we're talking about, yeah. right? Right. I mean, yeah, and, and going in a classroom as a teacher, because let's face it, uh, if you've got really good teachers, everything else is probably going to take care of itself unless you financially mismanage, mm-hmm. which I don't think this school will ever do again. Uh, but to go into a classroom, you've got to display an enthusiasm uh, of natural curiosity, uh, that you, you like your subject and enjoy learning, but you've heard me say something else, that if you really are a teacher, you teach students, not the material. And that's something else that's hard to get a non-educator to grasp. You can be academically rigorous and still put the students first, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a lot of that just takes common sense. I, I've, throughout my career, been appalled to see some of the decisions that educators would make and uh, then expect an administrator to clean up their mess. Mm. Uh, of course, I know that doesn't ever happen to you. No. Now, no, uh, no. But uh, <laughs> we, we both had plenty of those that, uh, you know, you, you want to say, what were you thinking? Yeah. And I've heard you say that before. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well, you, you think about that, and you know that's why I asked what's the main thing, the main thing, and there's so many parts that go into that. But one of the things you have mentioned, we've we've kind of latched on a little bit to are, the, are personnel decisions, mm-hmm. and those are, you know, I would say, and outside of developing leaders who can succeed here or somewhere else, it's very important to me, but also. This idea of attracting and recruiting and retaining the best staff is is paramount to the to the kind of jobs we're going to do. Has that did that change in your career? Did you see it go from one area to another? Look, um, when I first became headmaster here, uh, we were like a lot of private schools and having the challenge of you kind of had to get what you could afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gradually changed over time. Now I think that you can be much more selective in terms of someone who actually fits into the uh, the culture of the school yeah. and believes in the mission. But no, it, it was hard. Uh, you know, we've had certain positions at this school where there was a revolving door of, of positions and to be blunt about it, part of it was that up front you couldn't pay enough to, to get somebody like we could get today. Yeah. And that's just the harsh reality of private schools. Well, I remember one of the, I don't know, it may have been 2002 or three. It was an early 2000 part of the strategic plan. And, and you begin to watch that focus really shift, you know, as part of objectives and implementation strategies of 
you know, if we're going to continue to offer the program that we want, we've got to compensate, have right. resources, not not only to, to attract them, but to keep them, then you got to go into, you know, can you support their professional growth and yep. how do you do that? And, you know, all those things that, so I want to ask you this because you, you did as headmaster, you, I mean, do you think that job changed any? Oh, I, I, you, you know, you you kind of came in as one. You know, you were in the 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 the, the pedagogy, if you will, of one administrator, yes. and and you're all knowing. You're you you know yeah. you're a, yeah. you can encompass everything, man. It. I don't feel like I, it, that's a tough spot to be in. I'm not sure it can be a function that way in a school our size. Not anymore. And I will tell you, we I mentioned earlier that I was really probably too young to be the head of a school like this today, I, excuse me, I doubt you would ever see somebody hire a person uh, for an independent school of this stature who is that age. But if I hadn't been, I couldn't have done the job then. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, at times it almost killed me yeah. because you were having so many issues to have to deal with and having to do so many jobs as one person that now multiple people do, and rightly so, uh, that it was difficult. Yeah. And we didn't, we couldn't go out, I couldn't go out and hire a principal who did nothing but that uh, in the middle and upper school at that time. And we just kind of, uh, you know, did the best we could, bit your lip, went ahead and did what you had to do. But... To the rest of that question, yes, when you reach the, the stature that this school is now, you don't operate like that. Uh, I was basically a principal and a headmaster. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really have an advancement office. Right. Uh, we did a little annual giving, and that was about it. Uh, but now, because of the ambitious program that we have at the school, uh, we've become more of what a real, effective, quality, independent school should be. And uh, what you said, the, the job has changed so much. Uh, that's one reason, you know, when, when you and I originally made the change over and I moved into the, the position I was in initially, it was because I saw that what I had been having to do, you couldn't do it all. Yeah. You had to be able to have a more effective, uh, active advancement office, which we now have, we do. Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of other things that had to had to be reassigned to uh, the next tier administrators. So I think I think the timing was really good. Personally, mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about it looking back on it, but it was uh, uh, it was time to make a change. And it was time to to take a different direction in the structure of the school because, for lack of a better word, we have a more sophisticated program now yeah. than we did then. And ever-changing, you know, yes. meeting the demands of what, you know, what our families need. I, I was telling a family yesterday that, <clears throat> excuse me, that were, they were visiting our school. And we were, I was talking to them just to kind of, they were asking me about summer programs and after school programs. And, and so we were, I was able to kind of go through what Sarah Forwood and her group are doing, which is really amazing, really amazing Excuse job. Me. You're fine. And um, it, 
you know, and, and I made that point to them, you know, well, demographically, our school has changed since mm-hmm. I first came here. You know, yeah. now, I, you know, we have the better part of 70% of our families, both parents work, therefore we yep. need after school. And this particular family you had one working in, in, in Mount Vernon at TK and one in Pascagoula. So, you know, that's changed. So, so yeah, you have to add additional mm-hmm. staffing to meet the that's programs. Right. And, you know, you, right. I think about academic support, you know, you and I, you got me sorry now. I saw sorry. That. You know, you and I, we were so involved for such a long time, it felt like, with, with, with providing, you know, what kind of support can we provide for our families with learning differences? And mm-hmm. I know you, you and I spent a lot of time on that. We, yes. we visited schools. We, we tried things. We, we implemented things. Some worked, some didn't. But, I mean, that's another example. Now you look back at that, Tony, that's, you, there are 10 people in that program. I mean, yeah. in, that, in that department. Yeah. Just in that department. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we're serving right at 130 students. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't know where that next trend will come, but it's coming. Yeah, it you, will. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's probably going to be for us, you know, in the form of early childhood and, and mm-hmm. you know, bed babies and those kind of things. Yeah, you know, sure. And, you know, and, and, you know, there was a time where you and I thought, you know, we'll never have a K-3. You know, well, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and, and you know, Somebody said, well, we'll never do bed babies. Well, we, we probably will because we're trying to meet the needs of people who want the UMS ride experience. Exactly. And where organizations become insignificant or they fail is when you stick to, to things because that's the way you've always done it. Now, I know you love tradition. I love tradition. Yep. We're going to come back and talk about that in just a minute. But how we take those traditions <laughs> of old and how we roll them into – producing a better product for the future. So we're going to kind of come back with that. So I'm telling you, when I told you before we started that we're going to try to talk an hour, you thought there was no way. We've already gone 30 minutes, man. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. It just flies by. So, you you know, we'll come right back with Dr. Tony Havard, uh, and and we appreciate all of you listening. And so we ask that you take it. we got a little time out right here, and we've got a couple of students. We've interviewed a couple of our seniors, and you'll be able to hear some of the things going on around our campus. You're listening to The Right Way. Welcome back to The Right Way. As always, we love to have a chance uh, to take a break during these discussions and podcasts to talk to some of the, the individuals really who make this school go, if you will. And, and that's always going to be our students. And so we have an incredible senior class this year. They have been – you've had a chance to hear from them throughout these podcasts over the last couple of months. And so we have another incredible group this week uh, that I want to introduce to you and, and give you a chance to hear from them, the first one. March Tremaine, March participates in a lot of activities on campus, but in particular, we're going to talk about chorus today. And then Joseph Perry, a name that some of you may be familiar with, just because he's had such a stellar career as a track athlete here. Um, And then finally, Lily Corley, who is one of our um, leading spirit individuals on campus. She participates in cheerleading, but um, has a been here her entire life, I think, and had her mom is our librarian here in the upper school. So it's good to have all you guys uh, joining us around the table this morning. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good to be thank here. you. Awesome. I'm good, good. So let's start with you, March. And right. and I've mentioned a little bit. You know, I've had a chance to watch you, and you had a, a sibling graduate from here. So again, that's someone that's been around campus for a long time. But I know one of the things that you've dived into throughout your career here has been the arts and so has that been something that's been important for you and your experience oh yeah um 
Well, I started in first grade wow. with Miss Howes and the Allegro Singers, and uh, I just kept going. Um, and now I'm like president of the Wright Singers, and it's it's just been great. It's it, it's a very tight knit family. Sure, um, absolutely. And it's a great thing to be a part of. Well, you know, last Tuesday, uh, last week, we had a group of visiting schools from Mississippi and Louisiana, and they came in, and then kind of at the last moment, it dawned on me, you know, we need to highlight some of our students instead of just them hearing me speak. And so I asked, kind of like the last minute, the day before I came in and said, hey, would you guys, the right singers, would you mind kind of performing? And, man, y'all came in with really very little <laughs> warning from me, but performed two songs. And I want to tell you, I had emails literally from every one of those people, and, and what they asked me about and what they commented on was the job that you guys did. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we're, we're always ready. <laughs> always ready. That's what I love. I like that motto. That's good, man. And so, you know, part of that, do you have like kind of a favorite kind of genre that you guys participate with, or do you like it all? Uh, I like it all. I really like the um, classical pieces, like yeah. uh, the very tall vowels, kind of like Gregorian, like – older stuff um i know the student body gets kind of tired of that sometimes no no i mean <laughs> so we do it's over our heads that's all uh we're doing more uh, modern stuff for our spring showcase i know we're doing like seven bridges road which yeah, is gonna be really fun um and we've got some of the older stuff the more impressive stuff in there as well well i know i that, like it all oh that's good because and y'all are really good at all of it just your you know y'all did that acapella last week and you did a michael jackson song man in the mirror and then you also did uh Earth, Wind, and Fire song September, and they were just y'all, y'all, y'all nailed it, man. It was crazy good. Thank you. Thank now y'all are leaving. We're doing this podcast on the 29th, I think, of March, recording this. But y'all are leaving actually this week, going tomorrow. to New York tomorrow. Going tomorrow to New York. Morning. Let's talk about that trip a little bit. So we're uh, leaving here tomorrow morning at six, and we're gonna drive down to New Orleans and fly out to New York. Um, and we're doing an adjudication at Queens College. Yeah. So we're uh, taking some pieces to get. Um, judge there and we'll bring back some ratings and then we're doing a big uh, show uh, showcase thing at Carnegie Hall with a choir of like 300 and then we have a spotlight performance which is just us Wow! also at Carnegie uh, so that's going to be that's so exciting, exciting. how many of you guys are going uh, well there's 15 or 18 okay um, and it's uh, there's some middle schoolers and then all the way up to senior class. Okay. That'll be so cool. I'll tell you, I went on that years ago with our course department, very similar to what you guys are getting to experience. And so we went into New York and um, went to Carnegie Hall and got to watch that performance, man. that It's, it's going to blow you away. It's going to be so, so cool, especially when you get in there with all those other schools and mix into that giant course. It's going to sound amazing, man. I'm excited. Yeah, y'all are going to have a good time. Um, so Joseph Perry, uh, Joseph is, uh, again, you heard me mention in the intro, kind of one of our star track and field athletes and always has been. If you ride up and down Old Shell Road or Mobile Street or Dolphin Street or Airport Boulevard or wh whatever, you, you probably have, have seen Joseph running, uh, and certainly uh, he has honed his skill uh, in, in a way that's uh, really a second to none. So Joseph, um Going to Auburn University, man. We signed you up early this year and had a big ceremony for you. So um, you're going to go to Auburn and run next year, starting next year. Uh, but you guys have some big things coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. I know y'all had a big event here, Land Newell and Fast Times Meet last week. But even this week, you have the um, the big relays, right? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. We're running the um, Challenge of Champions okay. this weekend. So there'll be the Open Division on Friday, which will be here at UMS. And I think most of the team will be in that. And then we'll have a few athletes. Um, I think Jaden Rollins, myself, and my brother. And you got to say his name. You can't just say sir, my brother. Charles. I mean, Charles you're going to get in trouble, right, <laughs> Charles? Um, and he'll be uh, – Will Ustery, I think, will be competing on Saturday okay. at St. Paul's. So – I was kind of tongue-in-cheek a little bit saying that you can see Joseph running anywhere, but that's really not a joke, is it, right? You, I mean, that that you, the, the bug for running bit you kind of early, right? Yes, sir. I mean, since seventh grade here, I've been competing um, with the varsity and you know, running on my own. So, you know, it's something you got to just be consistent at every day. You can't really take days off. or And you don't, right? Um, very few, if, if any. Very few. Definitely probably count on one hand the days off I've taken so far this year so do you you kind of see that same mentality in kind of every area of your life academically speaking or socially I mean do you do I mean you know as much of a runner as you are in the preparation you put in do you do that in all areas of your life I mean I would I would like to say I do but um definitely to reach you know a high level in any sport and I think especially in distance running you know it has to be um, your your first priority. So yeah. for me, you know, my my running it, it does come come first. It comes sometimes, you know, even maybe ahead of my schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Which, if I'm if I'm being honest, so that and I also include sleep too. You know, to, <laughs> to run seventy miles a week, you have to sleep eight hours. You know, there's really no way to get around it. So if I, you know, if I'm not finished with something, you know, and it's ten o'clock, I'm just gonna go to sleep because yeah. because I know that eight hours of sleep I need. So. Um, Yes, sir. So it's it's something that just you know you have to keep in your mind that it's your first priority. And yeah. I think you know the same thing could be said for any you know, athlete. Any sure. Yeah. Anyone that kind of reaches the level that you do, right? As a Division One college athlete that you will be, and and having those. Did you have? Let's talk a little bit about that experience. You had a lot of opportunities or a couple of different schools that you kind of thought about uh, attending after your time at UMS, right? Yes, sir. I went on a, a, f- a few visits. I went to um, University of Alabama. I had a, a good offer there, um, and College of William and Mary mm-hmm. in Virginia. And I kind of just weighed all the options. Um, w- William and Mary was it was a it was a good good school. You know, they have a great coach there, Forrest Braden, um, former elite runner himself. Um, I really like the guys on the team. And then um, Alabama, um, Dan Waters is a great coach also. Um, so really nothing negative to say about any of those programs. It's just uh, really Auburn. They have a brand-new coach, actually, Coach Aaron Kent. used to coach at Southern Miss, and um, I was just a big fan of his coaching style, and I really uh, felt like I got along with the guys on that team the best. Yeah, I think it's really smart, you know, especially choosing a place that kind of best aligns with you right? You're going to be there for four years. Um, and, and, you know, finding that perfect fit is, is, is so important. But you, like I said, y'all have a lot of things going on, you know, not only the meet this week that you mentioned, but then, you know, you've got, you've got a defense coming up of, those, of, of y'all state championship from last year, right? Yes, sir. So um, we'll have outdoor state, um, I think, May 5th through the 7th around. So we're the, def- we're the defending champions there. And we defended our title in indoor. Yeah. So won that. Um, yes, sir. So I think as long as all the guys are healthy, um, and girls do, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any reason we can't win again. Good. So. 
Yeah, I mean, well, there's 75, 80 students out at on the, in the track on the track team on the all kind of combined in somewhere like that. Oh um, yes, sir. I mean, it's definitely one of the biggest, probably biggest teams on campus. We have yeah. a we have a lot of participation, and that that's always good to see. You know, especially seeing the middle schoolers out there, and you know, seeing what works best for them, and kind of getting into the sport. And you had someone as a middle schooler, you kind of looked toward Robert Hope as someone that you kind of emulated. And have you seen the same thing with students kind of watching you and your work ethic? Yes, sir. And, you know, I always try to keep that in mind, too, that, you know, it's not just that I'm running for myself. You know, there's a lot of you know, younger guys who, yeah. you know, want to maybe you know, run it and run in college someday and kind of look to me as an example. So I always try to keep that in mind with stuff I say and you know what I do? All records are meant to be broken, right? There. Yes, sir. <laughs> records are only borrowed. That's it. That's it. So, Lily, um, you, you know, talked a little bit about you and, and your involvement forever as someone who kind of – well, you do a lot of things, but Spirit's one of them, um, you, you know, as a cheerleader. But what other things have you been involved with in your tenure at UMS Wright? Um, I've been involved in a lot of clubs. I've been doing Key Club, Scrub Club, and I'm also VP of Recreation. Yeah. This year I was voted into that, which is so much fun because I'm, as a cheerleader, I'm already, like, I do pep rallies. Like, sure. I'm in the pep rallies. But being on the SGA side of it and, like, planning the pep rallies, planning the games and finding people to run them is a totally different sure. thing. And it's so much fun to see what really goes into making a pep rally happen and Fun for everyone absolutely and you know all the background work as you mentioned you know and and you know we take for granted that we just show up on Fridays or whatever day the pep rally and it's just but it's not that way I mean it's like anything else in life it takes a commitment it takes creativity uh, it takes organization all those things which will serve you you know extremely well beyond your cheerleader days are, are those cheerleader days coming to an end or is, or is that something you'll continue to do I love cheer I really do and as of right now I'm not planning mm -hmm. on continuing, but I mean, if something changes, yeah, you never know, right? You never know. Um, but I mean, it's sad. Like the tryouts are happening next week, and it's weird to think that I'm not trying out next year. But what a great thing year. not to have to worry about, though, right? There's a lot of oh, stress yeah. in that. Oh huh? yeah, that's stress. The stress is crazy. <laughs> Helping girls like already like just to get them ready and know, right. Um, work on their motions and their jumps and everything and their moms. It just reminds me like my mom used to be as nervous as well as yeah. all of them and. My mom's like, "Whoa, it's weird. Like, I'm not nervous this week like I was the past six years." And that happens, you know. But but I know that's a big deal for you guys. And and kind of like with Joseph and March, you know, people have a chance to see you and watch you as a senior. And you know, that's a huge responsibility for all of you guys in in, in your arts and in your sports and yeah. and in cheer. So I mean, that, is that something that is important to you? And, you know, modeling what, what it's it, very important. Yeah. Like my favorite thing is baby bulldogs. When yeah. we do, when we teach little girls their dances and it's just like, they're really looking up to us. Like they want to be like us when they grow sure. up. Exactly. So it's like, we need to make sure we're always leading the best example and doing what we're supposed to do. So they know that like, that's how we want to be. Well, I think all three of you have been shining examples for, our students and, you know, even for our faculty, for me as head, you know, kind of watching your progression through the years. And then, you know, you're, you're at the top of your games, all three of you, you know, you're, you're, you have achieved, you know, kind of where I would have loved to have seen you get. And so for us as a school, 
you know, your importance is, is way up there and everything that you've done to represent the school, you always do it in a way that uh, makes us proud. And, and for me, you know, that's, that's exciting and it's fun to watch. I love having a chance to talk to you guys to hear that. Now, Lily, what, uh, what are your plans um, after graduation in May? What, what, are you, what are you doing? So I'm attending Troy. So I'll go early to rush and everything. But then I want to major in nursing and graduate with my nursing degree. And then maybe I'm thinking about going to a school in Texas to study a perfusionist, to become a perfusionist. And so that'd be kind of cool. But if I don't do that, then I would love to be like a travel nurse for okay. a few years. Great plan. I like it. I think it fits your, um, I think it's a typecast for you for yes, sure. Sir. I mean, you, you, you love helping people. So that's, yes, uh, that's awesome. Joseph, we just talked about you going to Auburn. So do you run this summer? Um, yes, sir. So actually the team, the Auburn men's team, we're going to go to Wyoming for the summer to train at altitude mm. and live on a ranch. So um, I'm definitely really excited. Yeah, that sounds that. pretty good right there, Joseph. I, I kind of like that. JoJo, you know, I have so many <laughs> nicknames for you, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Every sir. time I pass by them at all. Okay, March, you have a University of Alabama sweatshirt on, so I assume yes, that's sir. what you're going to do, right? Yes, sir. I'm uh, going up there um, studying pre-med. Yeah. Pre-med. Uh, I don't know what my major is yet. That's fine. I need to uh, like talk to the pre-med advisor. Yeah. Um, but that's the plan. Right Somewhere now. in the medical field. What did you do for Project Engage? Uh, I did the physics. The one, physics. Miss Cullen. Uh, so that was pretty cool, right? That was a lot of fun. You know, we went up to Huntsville to the Space and Rocket Center up there, and we did the. Uh, we went to the iFly Center in Atlanta, which they have the big wind tunnel. Yeah. To, I saw some video of that. That was crazy. Joseph, what did you do? I know you were in season, so you, you um, stayed close. I did the sorting of the sciences, the, okay. di- the Disney and Universal okay. trip. And um, I, mean, I had a lot of fun, um, and especially for me, since I'm not going to be able to go on the senior trip. That was kind of like my senior trip. And, yep. Um, I mean, we definitely, I definitely got, it was cool to see behind the scenes at Disney, because that's something not a lot of people get to see, but also just you know, being with my friends at Disney World and Universal. That was fun, huh? Good memories. Good. There. Lily, what did you do? I did the sorting of the sciences okay. as well. Yeah. And it was just so cool. Like, my favorite thing, like Joseph said, was um, Disney behind the scenes. Like, we saw the characters without their heads on. They're, like, they're, <laughs> like, their heads that they wear and stuff. And that was, like, that ruined my childhood. It ruined you. But then I was like, I was like, this is, like, the coolest thing ever because there's real people under them. And they showed, they would, like, point and be like, oh, yeah, that's autumnal right there. And we were all like, wait, how, like. That's you so can't cool. like we never even see it when we're walking through the park and they know where every single tunnel is. They showed us the map of all the tunnels that underground. Like, I don't know. The tunnels have always been the coolest thing to me. Okay. Well, again, just to say I appreciate your time today. I know you guys are actually out of uniform today as we're as we're recording this. You are at uh your your you have a big college day that's put on by the uh college counseling department where you are meeting with different you know, it's kind of getting you prepared for college life. I know we do safety and security, we do budgeting, and, you know, do we do, you know, making sure you stay on top of your email. So it's kind of a cool thing that Dr. Odom has going on over there. So I'm going to let you go back. Again, appreciate you being here. All of you guys, uh, you've been listening to another incredible group of, uh, of three seniors, uh, UMS Wright. We'll be right back with the conclusion of today's podcast. Welcome back. It's always great to hear from our students. It's a, an impressive group. It, you know, you could, we could really spend 
uh, every podcast talking to them because we learn a lot hearing from them. And, and we actually have one of those coming up, so look for that. We'll have a couple of our seniors that we'll spend a, an entire hour with. But today we're with Dr. Tony Havard, a longstanding headmaster now, uh, advancement uh, participant, but also more importantly, probably for his students, uh, middle school extraordinaire teacher. But we were talking before we left, Tony, about you know some of the things that, and I thought about that when you were talking about the merger, but some of the things that traditions that are important and unique to UMS right, mm-hmm. and uh, and how you know it's important to hold on to those things. But sometimes there are traditions and things you have to let go right. to move forward. And I, I, I would, I don't. Are there thoughts of that that you had as you as you went through your tenure here that that you faced those kind of things? Well, the biggest challenge early on, and you thankfully it wasn't the year I was headmaster because it, <clears throat> excuse me, it was during the year that I was uh, athletic director. JTW had a tradition they called Bell Day, and for some reason the the UMS side, and l- let me be honest, there were there were hard feelings on both sides in some camps. And the Bell Day tradition, because the girls put bells on their their skirts and uh, you know, had them around their wrists and various things, and uh, that caused a, a big uh, brouhaha. Mm. And then we had one situation where the PE classes, and, and I still shake my head when I think about this, the PE classes were single sex. And then had a parent uh, come complain because, well, if we're going to be a co-ed school, then PE ought to be co-ed. Mm. And it was during the uh, warm part of the year, and they were in the swimming pool. And I'm kind of going, really? Uh, the, the middle school PE classes ought to be co-ed. And you got a bunch of silly middle school boys out there with little girls in bathing suits. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was a little bit uh, taken aback by that. But, you know, as I got further into my tenure, nothing came to surprise me. <laughs> uh, but there were certain traditions like that that you said that probably need to pass on. Uh, I think that the traditions that are very much of importance would be like the white shirt breakfast, the fact that the seniors wear white shirts as opposed to the blue ones. Uh, A lot of the events that we have for our our students, the the grad night, Mm -hmm. which was a a great addition to the, uh, the school. But you've got to be willing to change like assemblies, uh, the school's bigger now. There are certain assemblies that are, are germane to middle school, some just to upper school. And I know the thing that, that has dawned on me over the last few years once COVID hit was how much better graduation is with the chairs as yeah. opposed to those stinking old <laughs> old uh, uh, bleachers, bleachers out there. I know, right? You know, we used to be scared to death that the girls would be uh, had heels on and they would fall you know, on the bleachers, why in the world it took us that long to figure out that you could use chairs as opposed to bleachers? Uh, I comfort myself by saying it's because we didn't have that that uh, cement pad yeah, out there yeah. at the time. 
rather than, you know, I was just too big a dullard not to <laughs> not to recognize it. Or have people who work for you yeah. that didn't have the vision for that. So. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, and, and I know that's kind of a, a minute example, but uh, it's it's important that people be able to recognize when some tradition or practice of the school has run its course. Mm. And I know one of the the things that we dropped was field day for a while. Yeah. And that's come back as Crimson and Gray Day. But just to give you an example, that had an initially been a real athletic competition back years ago, especially at the boys' school. Well, it got to the point where the kids who weren't particularly athletic, they didn't enjoy it. Yeah. So we'd have field day and – and a lot of the students wouldn't even show up. So that ran its course. But then we had the, I think, good judgment to say, well, we ought to do something like that. And it has become Crimson and Gray Day now, which is much more appropriate because it doesn't have uh, the kind of real athletic competition uh, that you would have at a track meet, yeah. which was basically what it was when it was initially a field day for the boys. Uh, the girls was a little bit different at JTW. But you know, those are just examples of uh, traditions that you have, practices that are in place at the school that they either need to go away sometimes or they need to be altered. Right, and, and the ability to do that and yeah. see it and execute it. Yeah. Now, the, the thing that uh, the one tradition that I will say distinguishes us maybe most is the honor system, yeah, and that is one of those that uh, that I think is a timeless tradition, and uh, I think that needs to always be present in in some form. But I know we're sitting around the table here. Uh, Mr. Doherty himself has has worked closely with that yeah. through the years, and you you also have to adjust that because. <laughs> Plagiarism became a lot more of is an it, issue, yes, it and, and, and yeah. I can tell you, uh, how do you determine when that is just a, a an academic mistake or a legitimate attempt to copy what somebody else did? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at a school, that's hard to determine because you even have uh, lawsuits about things like that that go to court about trademarks and Sure. Uh, it's a little tougher issue than some people would like to believe. But 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 you're right. But so worth that endeavor, making yes. sure that you can keep that. Because as you say, as a tradition, as a part, you know, I think of it more as a, as a part of the thread of the school rather than even a tradition. I mean, it's just a part of who we yeah. are. Yep. Uh, and and you know, has to you know, we have to protect that. And yeah, we have to adjust and, and look at things differently. When I was middle school principal, you know, most of the time it was. If we had a, an honor council event, it was if someone brought a sheeter in there or, you know, a piece of paper that they were going to use. But, you know, then everything went to, you're exactly right, plagiarism. So we, we had to rewrite mm -hmm. the entire process of how that works. And, right. Uh, just that's interesting. I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna give you some names, okay? And, Brent, you can chime in as well. But I just, I'm going to give you some names, and I just want – all I'm going to do is say a name, and I want you just to give me – uh-oh. Your impression. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
because I think uh, you're quick on your feet that way. Okay. I think it's funny. I'm just, but so it's no no big deal. I mean, I just and, – and look at it. Think about it, what they mean to this school. Yeah. Right? So let's start with one that you hire that's uh, Terry Curtis. You were probably the biggest advocate for hiring him, and I don't know why, but I had some reservations at first. But let me tell you something. If there's anybody at this school – that has lengthened my life because he has been here, it is Terry Curtis. Mm. Because the issues that we had with football until he came here, you cannot even imagine. And uh, I'll say that, and then I'll say that the best darn high school football coach I have ever seen in my life. Mm. And that's that's about all you that's good. all you can say about that's him. Good. We're going to edit that out so he doesn't hear it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you mentioned him earlier, but former finance director Jim Ishi. Jim was a godsend because Blake McElwain, who was here before Jim, uh, did a very good job, but he was not a real finance guy the way Jim was. So – because he was able to instill some fiscal discipline in the, in the school, it allowed us to keep moving forward. Uh, he also taught me a lot. Uh, you know, you take graduate courses in school finance, but there's nothing like having someone who's a, a real business person, an astute accountant, someone who's planned budgets for, for big companies, uh, to help you fully understand all the ramifications of not being fiscally responsible. Uh, you know, Jim helped keep the school on a very positive trajectory financially and then carried it to a, a level of, uh, of financial stability that the school had never seen. And then, of course, he trained Todd. Mm-hmm. So the, everything continued. Uh, after Jim had retired, but uh, Ish was a – he was a numbers guy now yeah. and uh, pretty funny too. Oh, yeah. We're going to stay on the same theme. We're going to stay in-house with, with names if I can. Um, Colonel Hanks. Yeah. Colonel Hanks is <clears throat> probably the most respected – of the previous headmasters of the school. Uh, he was a, a, a man of honor, a man of deep faith, uh, was a war hero, which I don't know that everybody knows that, but if there's ever been somebody that any young person could look up to and say, I'd really like to be like him. Uh, Colonel Hanks was about the epitome of that to me and he was uh I didn't have an opportunity to work with him because he'd already hurt his back and had had to retire but I'd see him around a lot and uh, he always gave you something good to think about but he was uh you talk about modeling yeah they they don't come much better than than Colonel Hanks Harriet Lillick uh extraordinary teacher uh She had, she's one of those people that I think 
give you a good example of how to have a rich life, and that is to have a natural curiosity about the world. Uh, whether you're talking about ancient history or Alabama football, she liked to know about things, mm. and she was a true master teacher. Uh, she was very funny, yes. you know, when you got her in a, you know, in a, a more casual setting. But uh, just one of the one of the finest teachers that that I've ever seen, and uh, a, a dear person. Mm. Former academic chair Jane Williams. I talked about Terry Curtis uh, lengthening my life. Uh, Jane Williams probably helped as much as anybody in the early days of not having a, a rift between the JTW and yeah. the UMS people that would have been irreparable. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember, I think the first hire I made was I, I went to her and said, Jane, I'd like you to be the academic dean. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she and I, for that, that first year, we would sit down and talk about things, and it was like, can you believe that someone's petty enough to make an issue out of this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, she was, a, she was a lifesaver for me and one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. And I just wanted to throw a few of those out there. For the, <clears throat> Some of those names may resonate with some of our listeners. They may have had them in the classroom or had a chance to be around them. Um, Jim Wishon. Oh, if, if you can't have a good time talking to Jim Wishon, <laughs> you are a total sourpuss and somebody who just hates life. Uh, now, let me also say, if you don't know this, Jim Wishon is one of the finest math teachers oh, yeah. that you, you will ever see. Uh, he's also a good coach. He's, uh, I mentioned about Harriet, uh, most of our really good staff members and really good uh, teachers have a wide variety of interests. Jim was a theater major for a while in, in college, and uh, he, he has all kinds of different interests that, uh, that he pursues, uh, but he was uh, – he was another one of those. I wish he had stayed longer, but he's done a great job with Zogby's and continued to be a great supporter of the school and now a grandparent here. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was a hoot to work with I really mean, that, and coach with. We, we had a, a great time, you know, those last years when it was all boys and he and, and all that crew were together. Kenny Mac Williams. He oh, was, yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was quite a guy too. Pat Galley. Is Absolutely <laughs> amazing. Uh, those of you out there who don't know, he had never coached track before he came here. He read up on some books uh, about track and field before he had his interview, and this was way before I got here, and got the got the job. And then, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, he's also a very well-read person. He 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 reads a lot of books on history, other things, uh, but you hear the expression, the other coaches are playing checkers, he's playing chess. Mm. Uh, that, that's never been more true than with Galley. And uh, it's, uh, it's funny, through the years I've stood there and watched a track meet and watched him just make the rest of them look like 
bungling idiot <laughs> and uh, win a state championship. But he's uh, he's one of a kind too. Yes. And we've been blessed to have him around here. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just I, I knew that. Um, I knew you would be able to do that. That's why I asked you that. I knew you could recall that. I mean, you have just an uncanny ability to have knowledge on hand, useful information about individuals. And um, let's talk a little bit about that secession plan with with you. And and because one, one of the things I want to say um, is because I mentioned it starting out, and and you being a men, you know my primary mentor, and you know giving direction to me and positioning me for success. I mean, you're the reason I went back to graduate school and, you know, and beyond and, and then having an opportunity at, at, in my twenties to, to, to run the middle school and then, you know, just opportunities after opportunities. But was that something you set out to do? Was that important to you to, to develop leaders within the because when you came, most of the heads of school from UMS and from JT Wright were from outside. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, mm -hmm. but was that, is that intentional? Was the leadership development intentional for you? Yeah. Uh, early on, I, I noticed how the people who had been around for a while, or if they were alumni, they had a very different take on the school and a different level of commitment to it. Uh, I'll give you an example of somebody who is a uh, who is a board member now, who actually taught here is uh, Judge Bradley Murray, mm -hmm. and it amazed me as I watched him in the classroom and then as a basketball coach, how you could just see what had been instilled in him through this school and his wonderful family, how that was what you wanted in staff members for the future. So if you could find someone, identify someone like you who had the personal qualities of, of being an effective leader and also loved the school and, and had ability, just ability as an educator, you better try to give them an opportunity and, uh, and try to encourage them to want to stay around for a while. Uh, as you know, when you have to stop start hiring top-level ad administrators, uh, unless you kind of know what you've got, that's a crapshoot. Yeah. And, you know, the, again, revolving door we had in some of those positions through the years was really troubling. Yeah. Uh, I, and I just I ask that because, I, I, again, I think part of – you know, one of the goals that I have every year is, is involves, you know, leadership development of people who are on our leadership teams and or finding that next one, you know, in the yep. mix that you, yep. you recognize some inherent qualities. But, you know, I, I've come to, to I've come to believe more and more uh, that it's more of an, a learned and experience based um, skill set yep. than than anything else. Um, now, there's some inherent qualities of leaders right. that I think are important, and you know, being willing to make a decision and stand by it. You know, those kind of things I think are important, and and you know, possessing some form of perceptive ability right. is always kind of better. But you always used to use something that that dawned on me and and impacted me, and still does, and. And we still use it today too. You know, in the very simplest terms, 
Um, you know, someone asks you what a leader is, it's almost impossible to define that. I know Brad Israel and I sat around on the podcast trying to do that a little uh-huh. bit, but, you know, in the very simplest of terms, you know, a leader is someone who has the ability to make a situation better and not worse, right? Absolutely. I mean, I mean <laughs> Absolutely. We, you and I have seen in our careers, there are so many times there where someone dealing with a situation, we could have gone one way or the other and made it better, but, you know, some people just walk all the way around the tree just to make it work, don't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, and, and they don't ever reflect because you and I both could sit here and, and make a, a list of times when we had we done something differently. Mm-hmm. It would not have been as big an issue, yep. but I don't think people who continue to make those mistakes ever give a second thought to, to trying to reflect on how they could have made a better decision. Uh, but the other thing I'll tell you that I would always look for, I wanted people, and I say like you, and I, I go back to Ed Latham and mm-hmm. folks like that, you didn't want people to have to make a decision for you. You know, you, you want to, wanted to be a, an effective enough leader that you could make a decision and it be the right decision. Uh, you know, these folks, and they, they throw out all these terms in education, now, collaborative leadership, and, uh, you know, all that is is somebody not wanting to make a decision and trying to cover their backside. You know, they well, well, we made this decision. You know, the committee made this decision. Yeah. Committee, nothing. If, if you're going to run by committee, you don't need a headmaster. But that's that's. I mean, it, my I, opinion. I didn't hear the mic drop, but I mean, that was pretty <laughs> kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony, there are opportunities for collaboration that are important now. But when you when you sign the sheet, it better be your name, right? Because yes. that's who they're coming after. That's exactly right. <laughs> it really and, doesn't matter. And, oh, whoa, 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 let me get the team members. No, I want to talk to you, brother. That's what they bingo. say. Bingo. <laughs> and, and and you you and I have talked about this before. You know, all these people that'll tell you what you should have done, but they don't have any any pressure on them to make that decision. I, I just have never respected people like that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you know, and I find myself and, and, uh, this is a therapy session for, for us. So y'all just have to excuse us for a minute, but you know, the, the world of head of school or headmaster, uh, is, I mean, you loved it. I love it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love it. I love, I like the people. I, I, I don't mind the controversy. I mean, I yeah. know that's kind of twisted for people to hear, but I kind of, I kind of well, thrive on that. You, you, you know, I don't look look to it, but it doesn't. You know, it's not the it's not the things that that sure. kind of keep us up um, at night. But it is a it's an isolated position as uh, an individual. Yes, and as you know as well as anybody now, there are certain things you 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 can't talk about with anybody. Yeah, you just have to pray about it and think about it and and uh, keep it inside. Uh, and, and, you know, there through the years, one reason I think my marriage was, was stable is I never told Dawn anything mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, I didn't want people, you know, trying to quiz her in, in, uh, in informal settings and things like that. But it is an isolated position. And probably from my experience, the person that is most helpful is the chairman of the board yes and you know we have been blessed here also through the years to have some extraordinary board members Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, I think about that group that was here when, uh, when the schools first merged. You had some of them that, that gradually, you know, tapered off and, and left the board. But, uh, you know, that, that crew that I was blessed with the first few years, uh, they were really extraordinary individuals. And, uh, you know, I think about people like our current mayor, David Cooper, Bob McGinley, uh, Vic Lott, uh, the, the Ladd brothers, on and on and on. I mean, those were, uh, were people who were wise. They had been through the fires themselves. Yeah. They had had to make hard decisions that weren't, weren't going to please everybody. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was great to have somebody like that you could lean on a little bit. But other than them, like you say, it's kind of an isolated, uh, isolated position. It's a changing, evolving position. I know just, you know, with our involvement in NAIS and SAIS, I mean, there's just there's such a, a, a desperate cry, if you will, for leadership and independent education. And there's mm-hmm. so many, you know, the trends are, you know, that independent school enrollment is on the decline because right. of the options that are available for families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, independent education is something that obviously you believe in, but it's something I really believe in. I love the autonomy of independent schools to commit to and to work to advance a mission, whatever that is, whatever that is for that organization. And um, so there's some concerning things there for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say this, you know, right now we, we could, Right now, we're experiencing really good growth from from a standpoint of enrollment applications. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. you mentioned that earlier, yeah. and that's yeah. um, I think it's a testament to the job that these teachers are doing and the mm-hmm. programs that we're offering, and a little bit to the fact that you know some of those opportunities that were made available aren't as they're not all they were cracked up to be. Right. Yeah. Well, I just think you you mentioned something when you first uh, began uh, talking about this topic. Uh, the worst thing that an in, that an institution can do, especially an independent school, is to start bending to popular pressure to do something that's contrast with their mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you try to get into too much, I'll just call it social engineering or or. Uh, you know, going with the latest trends, uh, you're setting yourself up for trouble because at the end of the day, the parents want a child who comes out of here having had good role models and being able to go off to college and get the job done academically and have some sense of independence and self-confidence. Yeah. And you don't you don't get that at a school by following every trend that, that comes comes along. Um, and I don't think we've done that. I think we've kind of stayed true to more time-tested uh, practices here. And with independent schools, you and I both know too many of them get affected by the, the, the waves of society. Yep. And uh, they're so afraid that if they make a decision, they're going to get some negative press. Well, so what? Uh, you know, there are some people you don't want to like you. 
I've said that at this school for years. Yeah, there, sure. There's there's some people yeah. that if they're if they're in your camp and they're singing your praises, you better look in the mirror because uh, you don't want them to agree with you. That's a, a that's some hard words. Hard right? words, Paul Bart. What do you say, Paul? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, and I I, I wonder. I'm not even going down that. I can't get you going on that. I'll have to edit the whole thing. <laughs> we know each other pretty well, our audience. You can tell. Uh, what's next for you, man? What are you? What are you? Tell 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 our listeners who may not be around. And tell us what exactly you're doing, and then kind of what's what's next for well, you. Well, I'm uh, you know I'm teaching two periods a day. Next year, the plan right now is to teach three periods a day, and then to. Uh, I've always considered myself a, a team player, so basically here on air, I say whatever Mr. Barber wants me to do, you know, whatever I need to do to, to you know, help him and help the school uh, specifically. But uh, I, I feel, you know, you, you reach a point where you realize you're, you're not eternal and uh, – you need to be thinking in terms of what happens when you can't do this anymore. Uh, I feel good health-wise. Now, I can't. I don't have the energy to, to do you know, what I used to do, obviously, but I'd, I'd like to continue to teach in the middle school uh, and uh, just help out any way I can until it gets to the point where I'm not effective, either in the classroom or helping out around here, or, God forbid, my health is so bad I, I can't... Uh, you know, I, I can't do that anymore. But uh, my wife is kind of retired. Mm. Uh, and she's taking care of her, her dad, who's in bad health. Yeah. But uh, you know, right now I'm I'm happy as a clam. You got Don, uh, Don. You got Laurel and Max. They're, both in Mobile. They're both right? in Mobile. That's, nice. That's yeah. nice for you for you guys. Laurel actually lives on the same street. She okay. bought a house down the street <laughs> from us, and uh, she's in a. A uh, very challenging field too, and yeah, yeah. public mental health. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's challenging. And Max is in engineering, and uh, you know, doing the kind of thing that uh, classic nerds like to do. You know, he's working on the, the engineering projects he has, and then uh, has his his big video game uh, room that he. Yeah, he's got a whole whole uh, setup. Right, it's man. unbelievable. He, <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't uh, I couldn't be more different from one of my kids. He. He loves those stinking video games and all that and starts talking to me about that. And I'm going, look, I, you know, it sounds like you're really bright about this stuff, but I don't have a clue what you're talking about. So, Well, obviously, you, you know, you, you, you came here, you've, you've coached football as, you know, basketball and college baseball player and college football player, offensive lineman. Uh, inside linebacker. Inside linebacker. Same difference. At, at, at really? 155? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But um, and so you know you've all and sports trivia wise you you don't want to you don't want to mess with Dr. Havard he knows a lot uh, but then you know you 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 like this school and like so many things you you evolve with the world and now all of a sudden now you know the Major League Baseball the NBA basketball the NFL even college football is not something you spend your time mm -hmm. on, but you, you do have another kind of hobby, right? Yeah, he's trying to get me to do this and embarrass <laughs> myself. Um, no, not at all. It, it's I think it's a, the fact that I mentioned being naturally curious. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I don't know if it's because I've watched so much of it throughout my life, but in terms of college and pro sports, I, I've kind of lost interest in uh, pro basketball, football, and, and to a lesser degree, baseball. But about 10 years ago, I decided I would start following soccer. And, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, big Chelsea football club fan now. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the Russian oligarch who owns the team <laughs> has been forced to sell it for obvious reasons. Yeah. So uh, they're going to uh, – it's going to be interesting to see if, if they don't have the same amount of money to throw at yeah. uh, buying players. But they do have the, the best young American player on their mm-hmm. team, Christian Pulisic. And uh, there are a lot more – good American players young uh, playing in Europe. Uh, there was uh, one yesterday I saw that I didn't even know the kid was American playing for somebody over there, uh, one of the teams in the Champions League. But anyway. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's something you follow. And I follow we, we give you a hard time just because – But none of us – we don't even – none of us follow that. So you could yeah. be – you could make it up for all well, we coach, know. Coach Moody does. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, our soccer folks do. He and – yeah, and Coach Christie, I'm sure, and um, you know, through the years, you you manage sometimes somehow or another in that cafeteria to find someone that follows those things. Well, you've is, uh, you know, as our, our student body, we've got some international mm-hmm. students here, and uh, uh, they most of them, I know Brian Men's in my seventh grade class, and uh, he's a Tottenham Hotspur fan, so I'll I'll find them and we'll we'll talk about that's awesome. that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one of the things that's so cool about you too, though. That's, uh, yeah, you, you can talk pretty much about anything, and it's uh, it's a, it's an incredible knowledge base. Um, an hour's gone, man. Uh, well, it's surprising. Well, it's it's such a good time, and we'll 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 do it again. But um, I just think you, you know, there's so much we could delve into. You know, using your knowledge and experience, but what you've done for this school and, and the leadership you've demonstrated and you know, the way that – and the way that you decided to step aside and retire and, and then stay on and, and then support us, support well, me. You know, a lot of people – you know, like a, well, a lot of people with egos don't do that. And so well, you, I didn't want to be – and you've heard me say this. I don't want to be Joe Paterno. Yeah. You know, you, you don't need to uh, – you maybe can stay and change roles significantly. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, of having the ego where you got to he- stay on as the head person – well past your time of effectiveness, that that's to me that's sad. Yeah, and I didn't want to fall into that no. trap. Well, again, thank you for spending the time with us. I know that um, our listeners will love to hear from you, and 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 we'll, we'll, like I say, we'll do it again. And so, uh, thank you, Dr. Tony Havard. My pleasure uh, for being here with us. And Brent and Allie, thank you guys for being here. And um, thank all of you for listening. And and make sure that uh, if you if you have a chance to hear these, that you share those on various uh, social media, if you use those kind of things uh, in the world, uh, so that people have a chance to, to really reconnect. I was able to read what one of our listeners wrote back, and it's, he wrote on, on our whatever Instagram page, but it was about the idea that, that she was able to reconnect with the school. And really, that's kind of what we want and what, what really excites us about that. So until next time, this is, uh, this is Doug, and uh, as always, this is the right way.